called Scandinavian Skies. Hi, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Today on Billy Joel A to Z, we are talking about the 1982 song Scandinavian Skies. Scandinavian Skies appears as the penultimate song of the eighth track on Billy's eighth studio album, The Nylon Curtain, and comes in at a whopping six minutes, which is unbelievably the second longest song on the album and uh, about the sixth longest Billy Joel song of all time. Ooh, yeah. It appears on Billy Joel Greatest Hits Volume 2. I'm kidding. I was uh, okay. I was like, attention. really? I was what waiting an odd choice. <laughs> it also appears on Kreplock. Uh No, <laughs> it appears nowhere else. And I'm looking forward to Alon's research on it, if it's ever been played again, let alone on even the Nylon Curtain Tour itself. So with that all being said, let's get to the rankings. With Christopher Bonanos, we'll start with him, this very odd song. Where do you, Alan Altman, who's pretty good at guessing Christopher Bonanos, uh, find where he might put a song as weird and strange as Scandinavian Skies out of 121 songs? One thing that I know about Chris Bonanos is he loves sound effects. And this song has airport sound effects. <laughs> so you know he's going to be really into this one. I think that... Um, it's an ambitious song and he'll give it points for that, but he'll ding it for the sound effects. And maybe it doesn't really live up to what Billy Joel was trying to do. So I'm just going to put it somewhere in the middle, like 72. Well, he actually has it up at 52, which was surprising from everything you're saying. It's an odd selection for this particular time. Everything you said made sense with the sound effects and everything. I, I would have thought it would have been in the seventies or even lower as well. Glenn Gamboa has that at 111. So he didn't care for it at all. And the fans rank it at 87. Where, I don't know, it probably belongs to the hundreds for me, too. I certainly don't dislike the song. It is a very strange song in hearing it again. Obviously, I've heard this song. I've heard any, any song. I played the album backwards and forwards, but don't remember it. 
that well. I was when I heard it again, I'm like, geez, I I remember it, but I also don't remember it because I think I was in the way I'm like, if I never hear it again, I'd be okay. <laughs> Which, of course, is not the way we usually feel about a Billy Joel song. And especially on that album, when I was playing Pressure in Allentown over and over and over again, it was not like this. It's a very strange song, obviously extremely Beatles influenced. It's no surprise. I mean, it's, a, you know, it's as soon as you hear it, you, you, you see the, the, Beatles influence about it what do you think of a song like this yeah I, I think it's I like weird Billy Joel songs and I like that the nylon curtain has a lot of them it has it's very Beatles influenced all throughout the album and this song probably more than any of the other ones but it doesn't really pay off for me because it's like when we just did say goodbye to Hollywood and we talked about how that song is better than be my baby which it is based on and in this case he's doing his psychedelic 1967 Beatles thing and it's not as good as any of the songs that it's inspired by. It's not as good as I'm the Walrus. It's not as good as Strawberry Fields Forever or Tomorrow Never Knows or Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. All of these great Beatles psychedelic songs. This song doesn't quite live up to it, but I got to give Billy credit for like just going all out with this thing, like production value, all the strange things in it. He, he doesn't miss anything. It just is a little weird because the content of it talking about a weird trip to Scandinavia, a strange plane where he tries heroin for the first time ever. Yeah, go figure. Usually these psychedelic songs are about LSD. For Billy Joel, it's a heroin song, which doesn't really feel right either. No. It's like he says in the song, the heroin song should be a blues song. Instead, he goes psychedelic with it. In thinking about this whole thing and how it's very Beatles-inspired, we obviously know Laura is like that as well. Again, we, we got to look at the, the timeline and the death of John Lennon, which clearly led to all of this. And if he hadn't been especially died the way he died, none of this might have happened. You know, we probably the nylon curtain pr- might be completely different. Well, it would definitely have Allentown and pressure. But who knows if it would have any of this other stuff that's so Beatles inspired. And I think he was trying to make like, a very serious album in tribute to John Lennon, you know, I, I think he really wanted to do something special to say, I am upset about this and I can't get it out of my head. And the world is very imperfect because my hero just got assassinated. Yeah, but you can imagine what the album would have sounded like if Tiny Tim had died. <laughs> what the you, you, know, you said that one time before. What, <laughs> what is your obsession with Tiny Tim? He's my standard example for like just bad music. So imagine a whole album with Tiny Tim inspired Billy Joel tunes. Does he have more than the tiptoe and the through the tulip song? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> well, here's the thing about this song, which is people that don't like Billy Joel, Billy Joel haters. This is why they hate Billy Joel, because I think that people that don't like him, you you can't do this song and then write uptown girl if, if you know if you if if you're trying to be this guy and like you just said talking about a heroin experience you can't just have your next album write uptown girl it's just like i'm just saying for the people that don't like we appreciate the juxtaposition is that the right word yeah the juxtaposition the variety the right. range we, we get it and our our listeners get it we we like it. We like taking the chance and going all in, like you just said, you know, something like this and being like, I'm going to I'm going to make a Beatles like trippy 
Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, you know, thing. Like, I'm going to go for it. And he went all in. And we and that's what we like about him. And he wrote his own song, even though it really does sound beautiful. You know what the, the problem for me is right at the beginning? And I can play it for you now if you'd like. Uh, unfortunately, it opens with a little uh, uh, Rocky Four. Wait, yeah, you got to play that for me. Yeah, I'll play it for you right now, and then you will see. And I guarantee you, no one knows this reference. <laughs> no one was sitting there going like, hey, he ripped off one of the Rocky Four songs. So here's the scene from Scandinavian Skies. You hear that? I hear it. All right. And here is the music from Rocky Four. <laughs> well, Rocky Four ripped off Billy Joel. Apparent. Well, eighty-two. Yeah, this is well you're before right. Rocky Four. You're right. In a couple of years. I'm just saying. It's really funny when you're listening to uh, a song that Billy Joel is like saying, oh, my God, I'm going for it. I'm making this. And I'm going like, wait a minute. He ripped off the Rocky Four soundtrack. <laughs> and it's also that, it's funny because it's just one note. It's not like Rocky invented using one note over I and know, over. But there's <laughs> that that Rocky Four, that one part, wherever he even knows that is in the movie, is in my head where I'm listening to Scandinavian Skies. This is how weird I am. I shouldn't even have a podcast. It's an embarrassment. You sound like someone who took heroin on a flight to Denmark. <laughs> and that's the weird part, too. Where is this guy taking heroin? Where's Billy Joel taking heroin? What's he doing? What's that and, all about? And who gave it to them? Was it Liberty? I bet it was Liberty. That guy's a bad seed. Yeah, we knew that. Yeah, who is giving him heroin? Who's? And he said he made it very clear. He shot it up or somebody shot it up for him. He didn't just snort it. It was serious. Yeah. He's not a pussy. He did it the real way. Yeah. There's two things about that. First of all, when I did <laughs> my experience, when I did acid with Sarah Silverman, which is actually in her book, our experience of doing acid in the Washington Square Park with the homeless people. And it's also depicted in a Netflix thing. I remember that day. It was really interesting taking acid, which, of course, the Beatles used to do for reasons. And it's weird. I would never do it again. Of course, I'm glad I did it once because it is an interesting mind expanding drug and it's fascinating to know what your mind is capable of but i remember sitting in washington square park and i think billy even talks about this and seeing strawberry fields because maybe that song was in my head while i was doing acid because why would you think of the beatles when you're doing acid? because they write trippy songs for acid trips so i remember all of a sudden it was dark it was at nighttime but everything lit up in washington square park and i saw strawberry fields that was in my head i guess and I, my mind made me somehow see it and, well, and and that's why i know where he's coming from when he's saying he was having all these i mean heroin is worse but you know i know where it's i know where this music is coming from i can feel it it's just lucky that you didn't try to eat those strawberries that you saw because <laughs> who knows what those things were in washington square park at night Exactly. Well, I, I, I didn't get up. I was just I think I was seated somewhere and I'm like, well, I'm not going to get up because I know that's not real. Someone would have been like, that man is biting the heads off of rats. <laughs> oh, my God. Ew, that's Delicious, so juicy strawberries. These are great. 
What's that from? Is that like a Simpsons episode or something? <laughs> no, I don't think so. So here's something I found out, which I don't know whether you ever heard. I'd never heard it before, and I was trying to get more information on it, but I couldn't. He said, Billy Joel, said he wanted the nylon curtain to be like a Beatles album, and each song was supposed to be a different color. Did you hear that? No. Yeah, so I was trying to look up and see. Well, I guess he didn't do it. I, You know, which... Song is which color? It's it's not listed anywhere. I'd be like the mood of the song evokes a color. I guess so. Yeah. So like Allentown is like brown or like a rusty color. <laughs> I guess. I mean, he just said that was his plan when he was making a Beatles album. And again, the death of John Lennon is very clear and and where this was going. Yeah, that's what he said. But I haven't seen any other where I got that information was his talking about it but I haven't seen any information to say that he actually put it together. I guess that was his initial plan. And then he just kind of dropped that. And maybe he wanted to do more songs like this and was just like, you know, because Phil Ramone definitely had trouble with this song when they were recording it. Right. I think anyone would. It's a very complicated thing in the studio. I think they spent a ton of time on this one. Well, one of the parts he said that, um, he said that his voice sounded too much like Lennon. He said, you're singing it too much like John Lennon. And so he tried it a different way. And then he just went back to the Lennon vocal. But Phil Ramone didn't like it. I would like to hear that. I wish they had, like, if they could release some demos on my lives of things that were interesting, like Billy Joel singing this in a deeper voice. It'd be pretty cool to hear. Wouldn't that be nice if they put that out on my lives? You saw something a little different than the actual studio album version. Right. Here's Big Shot. So this is apparently is a real trip that happened, right? He's on some plane with the band and they took drugs. You'd think that this happened in the late 70s. Billy Joel is a huge superstar, that there would be some local media, like he lands in Norway or wherever they were going, that there would be some local TV station there to be, oh, Billy Joel is here. And there would be some like really cool footage of this band just tripping out of their minds on heroin and being interviewed. That would be great to find. You're so right. That's true. Well, you know, it's a scandal. They don't know what's going on. They're not there for the. I think that's why you go there. So you can be left alone. (laughs) I mean, you know, what's going on over there? Nothing. Just eating reindeer. See. (laughs) How about the uh, that weird thing at the beginning where they're doing the uh, the flight information or was it a a stewardess or something or at the airport yeah it's like the terminal like the announcement you'd hear i guess it's a real audio i guess they recorded it from some actual announcement it says i wrote it down it says attention attention passengers for flight 33 with destination oslo stockholm or copenhagen can go to gate a12 how does it have a destination to three different places I don't know, but I promise you that those are the, I don't want to say lyrics, but that's the announcement at the beginning. And the question really is, how do you have that announcement? And they'll just be like, oh, my God, that's a perfect way to open a song. Because he was full into his studio mode on this album and tried to put special effects like that everywhere. We already saw it with Goodnight Saigon. I mean, oh my of course, God, you're right. Right. There's two minutes of effects in Goodnight Saigon, right? Isn't it one minute at the beginning, one minute at the end? Yeah, this is similar. It's it's a really long song, but the lyrics don't start till like over a minute into it. Yeah, good point. So it's like they say that the uh, it opens with the string instruments being played backwards. I didn't know that, but that's very much like the Beatles. Yeah, totally. That's exactly like I am the walrus. It was such a thing in the 60s to play instruments backwards. I guess so. And then he plays just a C note 
on the piano. That's that Rocky four thing, which clearly ripped off. And it's yeah, it's and then the, the actual Dutch boarding announcement for a flight from Amsterdam to Stockholm. And then I guess is it the beginning or the end with the sound of the plane landing? I can't picture it, but it's like that's right out of back in the USSR. I mean, the guy yeah. just this was this was it. That's all right. That's all right. At least it wasn't a day in the life. So that's something. Right. This song at least is going for the the extra surreal stuff, not any day in the life. A day in the life had a lot of weird sound effects also. So in that sense, he was still being inspired by it. Right. But at least this time he because all we've noticed is his copying is that song where we've we've made a case where that might have been the only Beatles song he's ever heard. Now we know for sure he has heard I am the Walworths and Strawberry Fields Forever where there is just absolute nods to all of these songs in this the Scandinavian skies. Yeah, even like in the middle, after he does that line, we were only there for the night, then a flute starts coming in, maybe a recorder, probably just a flute, which is very much like Fool on the Hill. Right. Um, and then I was thinking some of the lines were just right out of uh, Good Night Saigon. We watched the power fall. Inside the Oslo Hall. <laughs> and who could say what was left where was right, 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 right. right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh, man, you just cracked the code. Yes. He just wrote Good Night Saigon twice. He ripped off the song. He ripped off his own song again. What's with this guy? Did you hear it on the live version at Long Island, 1982? Before he oh. plays it, he goes... I guess the, he's talking about the new album. He's like, I guess this is the weirdest one. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that, but it, it looked like he was having a good time playing it. He was so happy. Yeah, he liked it. There was one thing. He kept motioning like this with his hand. I think his mic was too loud or something. He kept doing this hand motion to yeah, somebody stage to change something. But it seemed like he really dug the song. What was weird is it has so much. They played it very much like the studio version because they had to use backing tracks for all of the sound effects and for the strings and all of that. So that leads us to, besides that version in 1982, which clearly he's like, this is from the new album, especially when he was talking about, well, you know, we pepper the new album because, you know, you want to hear the old ones. But it's just so funny when it's already 1982 and he's just talking about the new album. And yeah, he's so nervous about playing new songs and he's Billy Joel and people love his new songs. So it's kind of weird. But for this one to be played, you have to be like, well... I hope you like this one. So, yes, Alon, tell us, did he ever play it after that night? Yeah, actually, he played it a lot on the Nylon Curtain tour. Right. He's played it. Well, I, actually, that's surprising. I am surprised that that was played during the Nylon Curtain tour because I don't, you know, I just really thought maybe this would be a song that would not be played. Because well, then if you're talking about if he's got to go through the old stuff, and he wants to go to the new album. You know he's going to play Allentown and Pressure and Goodnight Saigon and probably Where's the Orchestra. That's four songs off the album already. So it's actually a little surprising that he would play a fifth one when he knows very well he has to play all the old stuff, which by this time, he has a lot of old stuff. Yeah, but I think he was actually proud of the song. And uh, you got to remember, this song, although it was not released as a single, it did chart on the rock charts. So it was popular. It did? On- you didn't see that? It did. Oh, on the rock charts, not the uh, pop. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so it was probably being played on FM radio, you know, on some like AOR stations. Mm. Um, so it had some popularity, so that's why it was in there. So he played it 22 times. 21 of those times were on the Nylon Curtain tour. 
and he played it once in 2014 at MSG. Really? Did he say anything? Do you know? Like, do we have a version of that anywhere on YouTube? Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's from one of the first shows of his residency. Oh, did he say anything beforehand? Like, hey, we're going to take a shot at this or the recording that I saw didn't have anything before. So it just starts with like right before the song's about to start and it cuts off at the end, right at the end. So you don't hear if he had any kind of postscript about it. But it was just like the 82 one where it had all the backing tracks going for all the strings and everything. So it sounded pretty good, actually. I wonder where it was in the set list. You know, I'd like to look up that concert date and see where it comes in. I can tell you that. Oh, well, it'd be terrific. With the magic of the Internet, we can find anything. So this was, uh, by the way, this was on May 9th, 2014, which is Billy Joel's, it was his birthday show. Oh. So the show started off with a sing-along of Happy Birthday to You, uh, which I think Howard Stern introduced, actually. Oh, I've seen that. That's great. Yeah. yeah. This, is a, this is a weird show. He did a lot of strange stuff. But this was 14th in the lineup. He did 20 songs before the encore. This was 14th, right after New York State of Mind, and right before Sometimes a Fantasy. That's a very odd placement, a very odd placement. Uh, if I was him, <laughs> which I'm not, and I did this song, I would have gone into some a huge hit. Not sometimes a fantasy, which is great, but I would have gone into something that was going to get the biggest applause break because to almost apologize for this song, which probably shouldn't be played in concert. Yeah, you need a save. You got to have a you save. You need a save. Good point. Right. Well, here's okay. So it also says here that before Scandinavian Skies, he preceded it with Your Song by Elton John, but just just a tease of it. So he started playing Your Song and then went into Scandinavian Skies. That's very odd. But like you said, it was his birthday. And I guess he was just playing what he wanted to play clearly because it just doesn't make it. It doesn't make any sense. And like you just said, you need the save song after you need scenes from an Italian restaurant after this one, you know, so so people forget about this one. But I mean, obviously, this is a very personal song for him and he likes it, but it's just very strange. I mean, obviously, he doesn't play it ever again. But uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine. I feel like this is the one people go to the bathroom or get a soda. Or, or it's the perfect or, bathroom song because, you know, it's going to be at least six minutes. So you got your right, time. Right. He's not going to cut it short because they have to use that backing track. So, there's, you know, exactly how long it's going to go. Yeah, this is the one if you're a tepid Billy Joel fan like myself where, you know, it immediately comes up and you go, oh, my God, he's playing Scandinavian Skies. I can't believe it because I don't know what it is. And then, you know, somebody says, oh, my God, I love this song. And then you go to that person. What? Yeah. <laughs> no, this is the kind of song where if you were playing, let's say it's 1982 or whenever you're playing a nylon, the nylon curtain for some friend of yours who's not a big Billy Joel fan. And this song comes on that you have to like make an excuse for it. Right. <laughs> you have to be like, his stuff isn't always like this. He was just trying something. It, it, he's good. He's It's it's different. You got to get used to it, but it's good. And we could all play blues at nighttime. <laughs> and we could all play blues at nighttime. I love this song. <laughs> Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Yes. Okay. 
see if we can do this. John Lennon and Dick Van Dyke both made songs and movies about kicking an addiction in 1969. They are both named the same. What is the name of the song and movie which references kicking an addiction? Wow. Okay. 1969 John Lennon song and also a Dick Van Dyke movie. Well, the Dick Van Dyke movie was made in 1969, but came out in 1971. And I remember it as a kid, but nobody's ever seen it. But it doesn't matter because the point of this matter is, do you know the John Lennon song that is based on heroin? Uh, but it is about kicking an addiction. And it's just the term which is used for kicking it without going to a meeting or anything. Uh, okay. So the song is Cold Turkey. Boom. That was a good hint. I needed that. Yes. So this is interesting as hell. So Billy Joel makes a song about heroin. The funny thing is, is that John Lennon makes a song about heroin addiction called Cold Turkey for the his first solo album. I think the, the, the plastic uh, Ono thing or something. And as it turns out, we find out later, I guess maybe after he's dead, that Lennon confided in his personal assistant and said that the song was actually about a severe case of food poisoning suffered by John and Yoko after eating Christmas leftovers, which were cold turkey. <laughs> and he was embarrassed that the song wasn't about heroin, so he never told anybody. He said he thought people would laugh at him if they knew the truth of the origin. Well, I guess, I guess, did John Lennon do heroin? Yeah, yeah, he did so heroin. It was inspired by that, but the song was written cold turkey for actually food poisoning. I love that, how much of a troll John Lennon is. It's just like with Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Everyone's like, clearly this is about LSD. It's the initials in the song. And he still always refused and said, no, it's just, you know, uh, it's just a, a drawing that my, my son drew. Yep. It's amazing, right? He presented the song. to. It was supposed to be on the uh, Abbey Road album, but um, nobody liked it. So he just did it as a single. It was his first song, Cold Turkey, where he had the sole writing credits, not McCartney. Oh, and the Dick Van Dyke movie, uh, I remember as a kid, it was apparently so awful. They just kept it in the burner for two years, even though it was made in 69. It had Bob Newhart in it. In fact, he was the villain and uh, it had a lot of comedians in it and stuff. It, I, I always liked it as a kid. It's about um, they're trying to quit smoking. And Dick Van Dyke plays a priest, which he plays often in the movies for some reason. And and there's a tobacco company that's trying to get everybody hooked, even though they're trying to I think they're trying to go one day without people smoking. And I, I just remember as a kid, the tobacco company dumping cigarettes out of a helicopter. So everybody's <laughs> smoking. Dick Van Dyke's trying to get everybody not to smoke. It wasn't a good movie, but there are memorable scenes when you're a child. So it's like if everyone in the world could stop smoking for just one day, the whole problem will be solved. Yeah, I think they were trying to make it like a mad, 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 mad world. And everyone's going crazy to try to get a cigarette. Something like that. Yeah. I remember like I remember being a kid and it wasn't good, but it had Dick Van Dyke, who I worshipped, and I didn't care. I mean, I there was nothing he could do wrong for me. We should get him on this show. Oh man, you know Gilbert got him on the show recently. He's still a good interview. It's amazing. I think he's you know almost a hundred. Yeah, it's insane. He still That's dances. Why it was so cool. It was so cool that he was Mary Poppins two was the worst movie I've ever seen. But the fact that he was still alive and could play the old man character now as an old man was awesome. <laughs> he's way yeah, cool. he's great. He's a hero. Yeah, he is. 
So, Alon, do you have a trivia question for me about this awkward song? I do. And my question is also about heroin. All right. Where can I get some? Well, I don't mind. Wait a minute. What are you not? <laughs> I told you before we started recording, I was like, my trivia question is going to be Dave, spell Scandinavia. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know whether you noticed, but I noticed I spelt it wrong when I sent you the link to record. I spelt it wrong once and I think correct once. I really wouldn't know how to spell it if you asked me right now. Scandinavian. No, you got it right there. I don't think. I oh, yeah. No. Right. Oh, yeah. I see here. You got it wrong. Yeah. You put an extra <laughs> A into it. Yeah. So if you asked me to spell it, I would not be able to spell it. I'm really bad. OK, well, I won't subject you to that. Here's my question about heroin. Which one of Billy Joel's heroes bought heroin from Malcolm X and gave it to a 15 year old Quincy Jones? Ray Charles. Yes. Nice. Pretty excited about that. But that's yeah, crazy. He- he introduced Quincy Jones as a young teen to heroin, and they would buy it off of Malcolm X, who at that time was known by some other name. Well, this is the 40s. Uh, I think it was a good move because it turned out Quincy Jones was pretty cool. So I guess heroin sometimes works. Well, he did it for five months, and then he kicked the habit. So, But it definitely uh, maybe expanded his consciousness. Yeah, it seems to work for the Beatles, too, I guess. I don't know. Heroin's pretty serious. It's not, it's not like uh, marijuana or cocaine, which... Uh, you know, those drugs, what's, what's, uh, which people want, but they cannot obtain because the police was on activities. <laughs> heroin, your business is a little dangerous. If you're worried about security for your million, the Tatalias will guarantee it. Oh, are you telling me that the Tatalias guarantee our investment? I have a sentimental weakness for my children, and I spoil them, as you can see. They talk when they should listen. Anyway, Senor Sonotso, I know it's final, and I wish to congratulate you on your new business. I know you do very well, and good luck to you, especially since your interests don't conflict with mine. He shouldn't have said that. Well, that's right. Exactly. That's right out of The Godfather. He says, I, I don't want to go into that. I, I don't mind prostitutes and gambling, but uh, your business is a little dangerous. He, right, yeah. he makes the wrong move, but he also makes the right move. He has one one day of the right thing to do and it ruins their whole family. Yeah. The one time he had some morals right. and everything unravels. One day he gets morals. Yeah. So as long as your business doesn't interfere with my business, uh, good luck to you. <laughs> you, you sound so much more like the Chris Elliott, Marlon Brando from <laughs> David Letterman. When you be on Letterman? Bananas. Yeah. Bananas. <laughs> Well, Alon, before we did the trivia, I said, uh, oh, should we go to trivia? And then I'm like, wait, I mean, you don't have a parody for this, do you? And you're like, sure, I do. It's not time for that yet. I'm like, well, I was just asking if you even had a parody. I mean, this I mean, you got to be kidding with this song. I mean, this is going to be your masterpiece, possibly, because I don't even know how it goes. I was singing it, as you know, like Goodnight Saigon. I can't remember the melody except for the opening strings part. Yeah, no, it's tough. That's why I don't have a lot of it. This is only just like one verse. I'm not doing one of those uh, here's half the song things. But my parody of Scandinavian Skies is called Cheese Curds, Gravy and Fries. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) And that's it. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just it's the title only. The foods of Montreal were still a recent surprise. And we were eating poutine, 
cheese, curds, gravy, and fries. Recommended by a foodie. The plate looked just like duty. <laughs> we took a bite and closed our eyes. Ah, hey now. That's it. What? You can't end on that way. You have to say something that rhymes. Then you have to do the line again. What's it called? What's the name of the song? Scandinavian Skies. Yeah, yeah. No, what's the name of this, your song? Cheese curds, gravy, and fries. That's what it needs to end with. Like, no, that's not uh, how the uh, song. Uh, 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 cheese curls, women, and fries. That that's the way you needed to end the song. No, in the real song, I don't care. <laughs> I needed the ending. He's just yeah, but hanging that, like that. He always Scandinavian skies is always said as the second part of the ver- the second line of the verse. There's four lines in each verse. There's this is, that's the thing about this song. There's no good way to end a parody unless I did the entire song. There's no everything has such a discordant feel to it, just like how you feel unfinished right now. Yeah, and it's funny. When you were doing it and you were singing the song, I'm like, oh, yeah, wait, I do like the way this verse goes. <laughs> like, I was remember, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not too bad. And it makes but, you want to eat some poutine. But I will not remember this song once we sign off today. I will never be singing it around the house. Yeah, rarely stuck in your head. Yeah. But appreciated for the level of difficulty. Thank you, Mr. Joel. Thank you, Mr. Joel. Well, folks, that was Scandinavian Skies. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Do you think Billy Joel lived up to the Beatles psychedelic tunes? Did you also notice the Rocky Four similarities? Yes. Did Malcolm X ever sell you heroin? And do you like poutine? <laughs> Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Joskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Um, some of you know we got a new album out called The Nylon Curtain. But, uh, we're not going to dump the whole album on you in one shot like a lot of you see a lot of time. Because I know you'll be sitting there going, yeah, that's cool. What about the old stuff? You know what I mean? Right? So. so we're just going to do, we'll do some of it. We have it, you know, we have it spaced throughout the set for maximum effect, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, this one is, I guess this is the weirdest one off the new album. This is called uh, Scandinavian Skies. Say